Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again today for the final Business the Law show. Uh, Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is you don't have to say yes to every opportunity. We're also going to be having our chat with uh, Christina and we'll be looking at uh, some of the interesting innovations that we've talked about over the previous years. But right now we're going to have our chat with Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you for joining us again for the uh, the final show. Um, I, feel pri- I feel privileged being on your final program. Well, you've you've been a lot of, a big contributor over the years, actually. Well, I, was, so. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't there at the first one, but I'm happy to be there at the last one. <laughs> so we're going to talk about JobKeeper and the ATO's view on that now. Yeah, look, I, this this caught me by surprise because um, I think you and I were talking either last month or the month before about um, JobKeeper and fraud and how the tax office were very very defensive and said you know they were all over it and yeah they. They didn't pay money out. Well, there was a Senate's estimate um, committee uh, hearing a couple of weeks ago, and it turns out that they, the, sec- the ATO's second commissioner has revealed that $284 million was paid out in error well. before the tax office could hold payments. Now, that really flies in the face of what you and I discussed a couple mm-hmm. of months ago. $284 million. Now... You know, in percentage terms, that's a small percentage of the $90 billion in total that they allocated, but still, still an, money. Enormous amount, oh, it's an enormous amount of money. So I think that's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing. But what they have said is that they've already, of that $284, they've already recovered $138 million. They've got a, a further $82 million in their sites that are being pursued, but they've decided not to claw back $64 million due to the Commissioner's discretion. Now, whilst $64 million, again, sounds like a lot of money on its own, what they've realised is that the $64 million was actually money paid to employers who had actually paid that money on to employees. And where the error had occurred was the employer had relied on statements made by the employees in the nomination forms um, saying that, yep, the employees entitled to JobKeeper when, in fact, they weren't. So mm-hmm. because even so those amounts were paid in error, the tax office have realised that they would have to almost go after every single employee individually mm, and it yeah. cost them more than $64 million um, to, uh, to chase that, that, money, uh, that money back. So they've, they've kind of said, look, the employers have relied on that in good faith and so they've, they've left the money in the hands of the employee, which when you look at it, it can, at the end of the day, $64 million is a lot of money to pay out you know, incorrectly, but it's gone out to people's pockets and we know that they've gone and spent that money I mean, we, you and I are eternal optimi- optimists, and we we you know, we hope that they spent that on local businesses, and, <laughs> <laughs> and the money's gone back in the economy, and they've paid GST and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, being the eternal optimist, I, I think that has, at the end of the day, it's probably not a bad thing because it has found its way back into the economy. And some of it would have probably come back to the tax office too. Well, that's right. I mean, a lot of people have used that money to to pay down you know debts that they may have <clears throat> pardon me owned, uh, owed in the first place. So, um, yeah, you're you're And the uh, Federal Court has ruled on a taxpayer uh, entitled JobKeeper. Yeah, just before we move off off JobKeeper, off that one, um, Cherry Harvey. um, Oh, yeah. I spoke about um, some of these large companies that have voluntarily paid back um, JobKeeper. Cherry Harvey, head of Harvey Norman, has has come out and categorically said he is not paying back um, his JobKeeper. He um, he was arguing that um, the money was used to support the struggling parts of his business 
even though his profits have surged 116% compared to um, 12 months ago. So, yeah, there's corporate governance for him. It would be a nice profit, I presume. <laughs> well, again, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, and that's, that's what the Labor Party's been a bit upset about, that a lot of, you know, some of these JobKeeper monies, especially to the large companies, have gone to propping up, you know, executives' um, bonuses and pays and things like that, which it wasn't designed to do. So, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah so Jerry Harvey's uh, keep, keeping his money. Um, now, the case you referred to, yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a really interesting one, and it's, it's to do with backdating registrations. Now, when JobKeeper was announced on the 12th of March... 2020, um, just over a year ago now, um, that was the line in the sand where they said you have to have an ABM as at this date to be able to get JobKeeper. Now, what happened with this particular gentleman? He was um, a retired um, consultant and he got a bit bored. And in July of 2019, he decided to reactivate his consulting business. But one of the things he, he failed to do was to reactivate his ABN. He had one but mm. it was um, switched off because it was no yeah. working. Yeah, it was dormant. So <clears throat> he, he, he you know, went, away, went away and started training away. He didn't speak to his accountant until April of 2020, so after that 12th of March um, date. And the accountant quite rightly said to him, well, if you're going to operate um, as a business, you need an ABN. And because the, the taxpayer mistakenly thought, oh, because his turnover was under 75000 he mm. didn't. An ABN, he got a bit confused with the GST rules. Yeah. So the accountant quite rightly went and backdated the ABN registration to July 2019, which was accepted and you know, everything was fine. But then they thought, well, hang on, had it been um, activated back in July 2019, he would have been entitled to JobKeeper. Mm. They, they put an application in for JobKeeper. It was knocked back. So it's gone through the court's objections. Anyway, it's landed in the federal court a couple of weeks ago, and the federal court has agreed that this is the sort of case that the tax office and the commissioner ought to exercise its discretion and allow this guy to be paid his JobKeeper because he didn't backdate it for fraudulent reasons or nefarious reasons or, you know, to be mischievous. He should have actually had that registration back in July of 89. And they were actually very, very critical of the ATO for running the case in the first place and said to them, this is the sort of stuff that you should stop doing and actually just, you know, administer the, the law, you know, properly. properly. Because this, yeah. is, this, is, this is why you are given discretion to actually look the other way and to actually pay the money out. So, so we're at the federal court. Um, fingers crossed they won't appeal it to the, to the high court cool. because I just... Find that that's a bit of a very travesty and unfair, but you never know how how these um, these things um, pan out. But yeah, um, yeah so, so it was a, a very interesting case, and it's given hope to a lot of people who were right on those edge cases right on the 12th of March, um, and especially because there are a lot of people that I've read about that were they were sole traders and then they flipped over into being a, a company. They changed their, their structure right on you know March last year through a normal course of business, and they're being told in the new entity, no, nope, you didn't have an ABN, uh, you're not involved to, to JobKeeper. So it's given some people uh, a little bit of hope with that sort of yeah. stuff. So. It's yeah. interesting, actually, you made the comment there, um, and this is so important, why, why an accountant is so important to your business. Um, mm. But a lot of small businesses out there really don't understand their taxation. You, you made that comment that he didn't think he needed an ABN because he wasn't earning 75000 
a few months ago I was talking to a business who uh, wasn't uh, keeping very good uh, records and the woman said to me, well, I don't have to pay tax until I get to 75000 <laughs> So yeah. I had to set her straight. But, yeah, um, but it, you know, yeah, it's, look, a, it's amazing how many small businesses out there really don't understand their obligations and the importance of uh, speaking to the accounting profession. Well, when we when we transition to doing a podcast, we, we can. I've got a topic for you already, and it, it is the importance about you getting proper advice. Yeah. Uh, at, at the correct time, because there's a lot of stuff that people hear in pubs, um, and um, and you know it gets lost in translation, and and we're forever trying to unravel, you know the the um, the correct um, information from the from the erroneous stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Um, you need to, you need to get the proper advice and do things you know before before you jump. Even it's something yeah. simple as buying a motor vehicle, you know, get it in the right name. Um, even something simple like how do I finance it could make, mean the difference between getting the GST and not getting the GST. So yep. you know, get get the advice at the right time. Right. Some people may think some people may think it's expensive, but it's more expensive to make the mistake and then have it fixed. Exactly. Exactly. Than getting it in the first place. So. Well, thanks All very right. much for your time again today and impact over the last few years. Um, yeah. And as you say, we, we're going to uh, transition to some po- a podcast series. So uh, we look forward to uh, bringing you on board to uh, to tap some of those podcasts. Yeah, look forward to it. And my, my final comment to you is that, you know, you and I live in a world um, of change. Our businesses are always changing. So, you know, your, your program's changing. We just have to uh, get used to it and, uh, Do it another and, way. and treat, it, treat it as a, an opportunity. Thank you. Have a great Easter. Good on you. Thanks, Julian. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there with uh, some of those uh, points about uh, JobKeeper and uh, the the taxation office. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. It's 23 minutes past one. Time to chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. And thank you for joining us again. Um, so we're going to uh, have a little look at uh, some of the things we've talked about in the episodes over the years, but maybe start off with leadership. Yeah, so we have spoken about leadership um, several times over over the years and, and how important it is. And I actually believe that it, it has never been more important to express leadership um, as it is now. And I And we had a conversation only a few weeks ago about how we now lead our families and how we lead communities, we lead groups, we lead businesses, we lead teams at work. Um, and even if you don't have a title that actually expresses that you are a leader, you are still leading people every day. People are watching you, you know, young people particularly in organisations are looking up to people. And I also believe that right now there's never been a more important time than to lead in your own unique leadership style. So there's been many books written on what good leadership is, many books with, you know, many, many tips. Uh, And I think, as with everything, we need to take the things that resonate the most out of those books. There's not one perfect plan for a great leader, as has been um, noted in the people that, you know, I don't know, uh, that I consider to be good leaders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I did write a list of them um, this morning. So, the, you know, Steve Jobs, the Elon Musk, the Oprah Winfrey's, they all have their own individual style of leadership and that's what comes through and that's why people follow them, not because they've followed some textbook format of leadership. I think it's also important to point out that they all have their shortcomings too. And Absolutely. Uh, mm. 
everybody's got some shortcomings, so uh, you know it has to be a mix of both. And uh, definitely, yeah. And, and it's great to look at those particular leaders and Richard Branson as well, of course, um, because uh, you can look at what has made them successful, not what they what they do wrong. Yeah, so, you know, with Jobs and Elon Musk, for example, they are so, or, you know, in Jobs' case, past tense, so driven by their absolute purpose and absolute mission and the vision that they have. Uh, and it's it's that that drove them. And it also, it inspired some of the people that worked with them, but also created nightmares for some of the people that work with them. So David Kelly, for example, from IDEO, Jobs used to ring him at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, that was okay for, um, for, for David Kelly at IDEO because that was an arrangement they had. They were both bachelors at the time and they both enjoyed talking to each other. Neither of them slept, clearly. Uh, but with Elon Musk, you can, you know, I took a, a group of students there early 2020 to the Tesla, um, mm. to the Tesla Gigafactory at, at Taha Reno Industrial Centre. And the stories that we heard about you know, he could walk in at any minute. They're all true. The stories that, that he could walk into the office at any any point of time and fire anyone if they weren't up to date and weren't on mission is absolutely true. But as one of the young guys said to me, he only practices what he does himself. He walks his own talk. And if that's not what you want to do, then maybe you need to look for somewhere else to work. So mm. as you say, there's no perfect um, there's no perfect scenario of what that leadership pattern looks like. Uh, but it's also... When you go into an organisation, that's what it is. So Tony Shea, for example, lived by culture. You know, what a, a, a huge loss last year, but lived, lived the Zappos absolutely lived culture, vision, values, um, even to the point where Tony Shea tried to um, in, in, implement holacracy amongst his people, which was a more flat leadership style, so the hierarchy wasn't so um, elevated. Mm. Uh, and But people didn't want it. They had the highest attrition rate. They went from one of the lowest attrition rates to one of the highest attrition rates. And, and, you know, that's been reversed now. So they listened to what the general feel was that was going on. Probably my favourite um, is the empathy and the passion that Jacinda Ardern mm. um, leads with. And everybody doesn't like her leadership style. Ah. But, you know, to look at GDP as not as important, not that it's not important, but that the happiness and the wellness of people. her people is, is paramount, you know. Mm. And, and if you've got happy people, as Branson says, Keep your staff happy. They'll keep your clients happy. They'll keep your shareholders happy. Uh, you know, so I think all that um, in leadership is very important. And and they all have their own unique leadership style. And I encourage people to develop their own leadership style in their businesses or in their families or wherever they are. Mm. And uh, just quickly, we're going to finish off with a couple of the stories of your experiences whilst doing this show around, around and overseas. I know, and congratulations, Julian, on, you know, one of the longest-lasting programs that, that I know of on radio. So, you know, well done, you, and all the benefits that you've brought through volunteering, through your absolute passion for small business. But I have loved talking to you from goat tracks on a Greek island and from hidden corners in certain places of the world and under under trench coats um, because I needed the silence because I was in a busy, um, busy office area i have spoken to you in some of the most bizarre places uh you know in cars on mountaintops wherever and i have enjoyed every single moment of our conversation so thank you for inviting me in did you get any pictures of it photo, photos I, I i do i might even i might send them to you and you can put them on your on your facebook so yeah. i've got a couple i've got a couple yeah that would be great yeah, yeah okay i'll go searching and i'll, I'll send you some 
Well, thanks for your time uh, today and, of course, over the years. And uh, as we said, it's not going to be the end because we're still going to be doing podcasting. So uh, we look forward to you coming back and doing some of that with us. I look forward to that as well and being able to dive a bit deeper than we have on the on these quick chats. So that'll be some, very much something to look forward to. Have a, have a great Easter. Thank you, you too, and congratulations again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christina there with uh, looking at leadership and yeah, very important to look at the leadership qualities. We'll come back with some more in a moment. It's time to have one of our business tips, this particular one. You don't have to say yes to every opportunity. It's hard to say no to great opportunities, even when you don't actually have the time for them or they're not in line with your top priorities. Let's face it, most of us succeed early in our careers by saying yes to almost everything. We're afraid to say no, so we overcommit. But learning to say no is the only way to find focus and productivity that you need to become great at what you really want to do. You only make progress on your most meaningful long-term goals if you carve out dedicated time to them. So the next time an exciting invitation or opportunity comes along, think carefully about the time involved. In addition to the commitment itself, is there planning or prep work to do? What's the travel time? Will there be follow-up? Thinking this through will make the return on investment much clearer. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. In fact, for the last 20 years, a big thank you to all the listeners and to uh, all the guests that we've had. I hope you've enjoyed the program. It's been fun. Well, while it's sad to be the final program, we have some exciting news, and that is potential uh, podcast series that will be starting soon, and it will be longer and more detailed business and legal news and views that might affect your business. So I'd love you to... Join us from probably May onwards to some of those podcasts. In a moment, Greg Richard will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. So have a great Easter, an exciting, prosperous week. And as Dr. Zeus once said, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. <laughs> 